thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. This is episode 35. It is. Uh, you're Michelle Donkin. I am, and you're Andrew Allen. And this is Cast Iron Theatre Podcast, and uh, the one that we've got now is a live edition. It is, yeah. We recorded that at the Sweet Jukebox in Brighton. Our guests were Aidan Goatley yeah. and Paul McCauley yes. of the... Brothers Macaulay. Stop trying to make that happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's It's, not, they've not asked me to do that. They might be a bit annoyed. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, obviously that's uh, the, you know, your brother's Macaulay or that's a reference to a song. It is. Yeah. It's from the Muppet Christmas Carol. Because as we upload this episode, it's now December. It is. Which means we're allowed to talk about Christmassy things. Legitimately. Tis the season. Yeah. And one of those Christmassy things will begin for Carstein next Tuesday, Tuesday the 5th. Yeah. Um, it will be our Christmas live podcast recording at Sweet Jukebox. Absolutely, and being is it the Christmas edition of the podcast? We'll be talking Christmas, we'll be talking pantomime, we'll be talking uh, board games, which is appropriate, actually. Mm, yeah, because our guest for the Christmas live Cast Iron Theatre podcast is Paul Stapleton. Yes, creator of uh, the board game, the Brighton-based board game BN1 and its sequel game, because board games have sequels. Uh, This is uh, Zombie N1. Yeah. Uh, So you may have seen those games uh, in Brighton uh, shops and in places like Dave's Comics. Yeah. But also we can talk about party games and charades. Yeah. uh, And also like improv uh, see the clumsy segue oh, link I, I did there. That. Yeah, because um, our other guest is Jen Rowe, Jenny Rowe of the Maydays. Yeah, improv troupe. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna have some music. We are. Uh, hopefully some Christmassy songs if she if she if she wants to. We have to no her. idea. I mean, yeah. she may well be writing them on our on the night. A uh, bit of improvisation from her as well. That's Judy Bignall of the Fantasticals. Yeah. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. It will be the beginning of our, our Christmas at Cast Iron, our Cast Iron Christmas. You've overdosed on the advent kind of chocolates. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we've got other things happening in December. We've got two other things. We have. We've got uh, Cacophony, uh, a return of our Edinburgh Fringe show with Heather Rose Andrews. That's on the 12th of December. Yeah, and on the 18th of December, we've got the Cast Iron Selection Box. It's the third year we've had the Selection Box. Yeah. Can you explain what it is? You're you're good at doing the the brief for that one. You say that, but let's find out. Okay. Um. So it's an evening of uh, short plays, uh, and by short we mean really short, about four four minutes, six minutes, mm-hmm. and they uh, will be. You can still, if you're listening now, before the sixteenth of December, you can still send those plays to us uh, at cast underscore iron at outlook dot com and what we're looking for is short plays uh, two handers uh, make them gender blind and age blind if you can make them about Christmas ideally because uh, what's going to happen to them is that we're going to gift wrap them in Christmas gift wrap we're going to put them on stage our actors will unwrap them on stage on the night and cold read them they yeah. won't know what the plays are about until the words are already coming out of their mouth which leads to some hilarity yeah Confusion. And general frivolity all round. It's such a fun night um, and well worth coming along to. Yeah, third one. Yeah, Yeah. third one. So that's um, the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast Christmas Edition is on the 5th of December. Mm -hmm. Cacophony is on the 12th of December. And Cast Iron Selection Box is on the 18th. And you can find ticket links for all of those through the Sweet Venues 
website. Yeah, and also on our website, yeah. which is castironbrighton.weebly.com. See, it's all, it's all, we look like we know what we're doing. Yeah, we do. We do. We, we, we're almost there. Knowing what we're doing, ish. Yeah, and we 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 even know what we're going to be doing in January of next year. Dear God, we already know, but we won't talk about that yet. We'll we'll yeah. we'll come back to you later. But for now, have fun listening to this podcast episode thirty five with Aidan Goatley and Paul McCauley. Yes. Welcome to the Cast Iron Villa podcast, recorded live at the Sweet Jukebox Brighton. With our guests tonight, Aidan Goatley and Paul McCauley. Milking the applause for all it's worth. Beautiful. Just realised I sat on every seat but that. So yeah. I... <laughs> What was lovely about that was uh, that there was a, a lovely sort of aisle for you to walk down, and you found like a complicated route, like a like a nineteen nineties window screensaver. Because sort of... <laughs> we choose our own path. Andrew. We do, we do, we choose our own path. So, Aidan, hello, yeah. how hello. are you? you I'm are? fine, I'm good, I'm really good. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Um, and uh, Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. We we've sort of had you on the podcast before on you've the studio had me. recording. You've had me on this very yeah. stage, um, and uh, and, you, and you've come back. Yes, I have. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and Aidan, we've not spoken to you before. Uh, no, never. No, well, you know, not for the podcast at least. No, not for the podcast. No, no we have been sociable though previously. We have. Um, you yourself, you you do a, a podcast. I do a couple of podcasts. I do a couple fact. of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, let's uh, talk briefly about. Oh, okay, those. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do two. I do one called uh, "Let's Kill Hitler." Yeah. Uh, which is basically uh, me and two of my friends talking about films because what the world needs now yeah. is more white middle-aged white <laughs> men talking about films because yeah. uh, there's not enough of those podcasts no. around. Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, it's, it's me and my friends. We we pick a subject and we pick three films. And yes. we pick a film that we love, a film that we hate, and a film that is one of those little curios that you're not sure why you like it or if you know you, one of those ones you're almost embarrassed to say that you yeah, like, yeah. or it could be one that you hate. You know, it's it's a, it's an up there one. And the other one I do is called Ten Films With, yes, uh, which is based on uh, my show Ten Films with My Dad, and it's basically I, I speak to other comedians and other groovy people, and they pick ten films. That's it. Yeah, and it could be again films they love, films they hate, films they're not sure why other people like or anything like that. And yeah, I've had quite a few groovy people on there. So they're they're both they're both of these podcasts. They're, they're film based, is what we're saying. Totally film based. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, and. Um, in those uh, conversations about you know films that were you know surprising gems, yes, uh, is, is there one that you could share with us? There, there is one uh, that stands out because I um, the, the whole podcast came from uh, I'm going to clang a name in a second, yeah, uh, but uh, Mark Thomas. Uh, I was on because um, I, I watch all sorts of films. I don't matter what type of films they are, whether yeah. they're wide range, art house, or even just schlock. I, I love everything, and. Uh, I, I, for the need, I had to watch a certain film because I thought I've got to watch this film. Just not in the, you know, like when you see a film, you go, oh, I've got to watch. It wasn't yeah. that. I've got. To. It's like it felt like duty. Uh, but I tweeted out. It's, not, it's the wrong sort of cinema of duty, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and it, I, I sort of tweeted out that uh, my life had no meaning because I was now beginning to watch Sharknado. Ah. And uh, of all the people to respond, Mark Thomas responded by saying uh, on Twitter. Uh, by saying, wait till you get to number three. 
There's three. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's five. Okay. And um, <laughs> too many. No, no, no. You are wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I should, I, follow, I should um, acknowledge here that, that uh, this seems to be an interesting podcast in which the audience are also the guests, and yeah. we're now getting heckled for our sake, Sharknado choices <laughs> by the audience. It's it's well, it's this is the joy of Sharknado. <laughs> I mean, you can sit there and talk about some art house film and go, yes, really creates great conversation. No bollocks, Sharknado <laughs> uh, does the job every time, and you just have to get through number one. Uh, which is a bit dire. And That's what they say about Parks and Recreation, not about Sharknado. Sharknado, trust me, by the time you get to The, the Fourth Awakens, oh my lord, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, <laughs> Paul, you're. Paul, I've always Paul. wanted to say that in a theatre in a home. <laughs> uh, I feel so much better now. Paul McCauley, you're, you're a writer, uh, you're a playwright, so you're, you have uh, received awards for, for this. Um, do you think you'll ever. Change the world as much as Sharknado for the Fourth Awakens. I don't think anyone individually could dare to no. create that much of an impact in no. the world. And I'm sure the critics of Sharknado, that wasn't even their world of stream either. Um, so possibly not. I don't know. I don't think I can think that high concept, to no, be honest. No. Do you think it, um, it all joke aside, do you think it, it is something like that is, is high concept? Sharks in the Tornado? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty high quality. In all seriousness, I think there's a lovely sort of... Um, because they essentially are the modern version of a B-movie. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very... I mean, in all fairness, they are awful. Uh, but uh, they're, they're quite fun. But the thing, that's where the podcast came from. Because yeah. I just thought... of Mark Thomas, if you know, he's a political activist. He's, yeah. uh, I mean, he is a man who's very right on. He knows everything. Yes. And it just sort of fascinated me that... that um, it made me question what people like because I thought I wouldn't have thought that he would have liked yeah. that kind of film so I thought well this would be an interesting thing to actually get people to choose ten films Yeah, and he, I got him on the podcast and he told me I was a bastard for making me only choose ten yeah. uh, and, and he, he talked for about two hours yeah. and I got about three words in uh, which I was quite good <laughs> yeah. and if you've ever met Mark that's quite good uh, yeah. going um, and he was great and then I've done it with other people as well and it's just fun it's a really nice podcast to do because um, it's just nice finding out what films people like and sometimes yeah. people pick ones that you go oh well, this is like an interesting choice you know yeah. uh, things come up which is nice and are there films because you know if we had to choose your 10 films yeah. obviously there's been 10 films for your stand up hour yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which uh, because that's had revivals. Has the choice of ten changed over no, the years? The choice, the choice, it's exactly. The, there's like about three new jokes every year. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good that's odds. Pretty good thing. Yeah, uh, but the, the the show itself is is a set thing because it's about me and my dad. Uh, yeah, the show is about the ten films that meant the most between me and my dad since when I was you know a kid till now. Yeah, because we didn't talk. We only ever watched films. So that hasn't changed. Yes. Um, but I, I, the other shows that I do, I can throw in other bits of films and stuff like that. But no, those ten films haven't changed. And I haven't picked my ten favourite films because I'd find it quite... I have to confess that Sharknado would not be one of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just want to point that out. I'm really uh, interested... Sorry. I'm no. really interested um, to know... Yeah, so I, I, I having, how, many, how many episodes that have you done? Uh, of the, the, ten, of the films. ten films? Yeah. I've, done, I've done about 12 so far. Uh, okay. Um, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's possibly still early days to spot trends, but are there any yeah. yes. like, massively contentious films or massively loved films? Massively or? loved. The Thing. The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing right. uh, comes up regularly. Yeah. Uh, that must have come out about five or six times already. Uh, on on one side of the scent? Oh, the oh on, the, on, on the on the positive side. On the positive, on the positive side. side. Yeah. Okay. Um, everybody seems to love that film. Uh, it seems to be very popular. 
probably, I don't think I've ever watched the thing all the way through. Right. That's yeah. okay. You're an right. Can you get okay. him off the stage? <laughs> <laughs> the implied thing. <laughs> I could tell, do you know what I could tell by your face when I said the thing? You, there's a little, oh, uh, a little look of disappointment. Um, but on the, on the other, the, the there, there are ones that are hated, uh, or there are ones that are loved that I'd, I'd love destroying for people. Uh, and I love destroying films. Uh, for, oh, good. If it's a great film. No, no. If it's a bad, <laughs> if, it's, if it's, it's a film that people love and that's great, but if it's a film that just doesn't make any sense, it just drives me nuts and then I go into a bit of a rant. Uh, oh, I've heard of Ragdoll. Ragdoll? No. Red Ragdoll. Well, the one that I really love destroying for people is Skyfall. Huh? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Have everyone seen in the audience? I've seen Skyfall. I get some nods. Excellent. Do people like Skyfall? Okay, right, the gentleman there, nodding his head. Okay, I'm kind of focusing on you there. Okay, I do apologise. But uh, for the reason why Skyfall is awful, because the James Bonds... And when you start criticising a James Bond film, everyone always goes, yeah, but it's James Bond, it's supposed to be silly. And yeah, the Roger Moore ones were, and, you know, they were deliberately silly. But the whole Sam Mendes, Daniel Craig thing was like, no, we're going to do Bond incredibly seriously and it's going to make sense and it's going to be great, right? Okay, Skyfall. This is going to take a couple of minutes. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's worth it, right? <laughs> Okay, so Skyfall, right, basically starts off with the plot from Mission Impossible because they lose the list of all the spies that's in the computer, right? Except it's not in Langley, it's just in a laptop in Turkey, right? Okay, but that gets stolen. Then Bond chases the guy. Now, this is the guy who only uses specific kind of bullets. It's important to remember that, right? Bond gets shot in the shoulder by this guy when he jumps on the train bit and stuff like that. He then gets shot in the shoulder in exactly the same spot by Money Penny. Although it's not Money Penny, though everyone knows it's Money Penny, but we find that out at the end when Bond asks, by the way, what's your name? As if he wouldn't fucking know, right? So he <laughs> dies, but he doesn't die. Then MI6 blows up, right? It blows up and is explained by Bill Tanner, the character, and he says this sentence. This is from the script. He says, he turned off the safety protocols and turned up the gas. Like M has a, a cooker in it. Just, I don't understand how that works, right? But that's part of Javier Bardem's plan because he decides that what he's going to do is he's going to blow up MI6 so they go to the secret underground layer so that he can get captured, which is entirely his whole plan, which, by the way, can only happen because he knows that James Bond is going to return from living on his beach hut that has CNN. Uh, he's going <laughs> to come back, right? They are going to extract the bullet from his shoulder, which actually matches up with a specific type of ammunition that only three people use in the entire planet, one of which happens to be the assassin that he's seen, right, because that's going to happen, right, and then they, they plug that up, right, so he works out who it is, so then he can go to Shanghai and then eventually see the guy who finds a chip, so he knows to go to the casino so they can play around with the CGI Komodo dragons, right, and then he can meet up with a girl who's been part of the sex trade, who he then kind of gets a bit rapey with, which is a bit awful, right, and then she dies because she doesn't matter because, you know, woman, and um... <laughs> And then basically Javier Bardem gets captured, but he wants to get captured, right? Because he wants to get captured because he wants to be in the secret underground layer that MI6 has when MI6 gets blown up, right? So he ends up in his sub-Hannibal Lecter kind of thing, right? Where he goes, oh, I'm, I'm, oh. And everyone goes, who is he, who is he? And there's this whole build-up, who is he? Because obviously when the original script was written, it was obviously supposed to be Blofeld. So they could go, his real name is Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Everyone goes, oh, it's Blofeld, oh my God. But then obviously they shat themselves and said, no, we can't do Blofeld just yet. What we'll do is we'll 
we'll save it for the next film where it'll be really shit. And uh, <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll have Javier Bardem, and then he says, I'm this person, and everyone goes, okay, whatever. And then he, he goes, oh, this is what happens when you have cyanide protoxide in your thing, and half his... No, that's not what happens. Uh, but anyway, that's just science. Um, so then... So then Q, right, gets his computer and plugs in his computer, right, okay, which instantly, like, corrupts their system, and Q actually in the script says, oh, oh, they seem to have hacked us. I wonder how that happened. Because you plugged in the computer, right, which automatically <laughs> releases the doors of all the jail cells, right? So Javier Bardem can escape. He goes down through a gutter. He kills the guards instantly, goes down into a guard, right? James Bond follows him, right, runs down. They get to the tube station. Javier Bardem passes two men dressed as a policeman, as policeman and they pass him a package, right? He then goes in through this door, which he leaves conveniently open for James Bond to follow, right? James Bond then comes thing. Amazingly, Javier Bardem is now dressed as a policeman because he's done this in 10 seconds flat, right? He then chases, they chase it, they run through the underground a bit, they do the bit on the escalators, which we've all wanted to do, haven't we? We've all wanted to slide down the middle bit in the end. Everyone has. There's, but you can't, can you? Because there's bumpy bits in the middle. But no, they seem to have disappeared, right? <laughs> They, they then go into another into another door, which just opens up. They go into this big cavernous room, right? Javier Bardem has time to set a bomb, right? He then goes up a ladder. James, but the bomb is not to kill James Bond, by the way. The bomb, the bomb is just to make a huge hole for a, a, a subway train to come crashing through, which is completely empty during rush hour, right? Okay. Uh, kind of thing. And uh, the, 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 he then gets on the tube, and he's then able to get on the tube uh, to go and try and assassinate M. So basically, the entire plot of Skyfall up to that point, right, is so Javier Bardem doesn't have to buy an Oyster card. <laughs> right? He could have just got on the tube. Because the thing is, as well, if he wanted to assassinate M, bloody James Bond does that the minute he comes back from his CNN-based island. He's just in M- M's house. If fucking James Bond can do it, why the fuck can't Javier Bardem? It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And then, and then, it turns... <laughs> and then, then it turns into Home Alone. <laughs> Think about it, it does, doesn't it? It's just fucking ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And everyone goes, oh, it's the best Bond film ever made. No, it fucking wasn't. It was You Only Live Twice. And this is The Thing. But Adele was good, yeah? Sorry? Adele? Oh, don't even get me started on Adele. <laughs> um, <laughs> There you go. So and you d- only live twice. It is uh, a very good contender for being the, the best. Um, well, it, yeah, but apart but, from the racism and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, let's not. Yeah, you can't even even quantify any James Bond film. They, they've all just. They, they should never make any more James Bond films. They, they're done. They're of a, of a period. My own personal opinion is you can't. You can't do Bond now. Okay. It's just not, not even the Bond identity or the Bond <laughs> no. whatever it is. Bond that, supremacy. Yeah, bond supremacy. All those. Yeah. They they were they were kind of okay because they weren't Bond. Uh, but mm. it was it was you, you can't do the Bond of old or even of new. It it just doesn't work in this world anymore. It's ridiculous. Even with something like Kingsman. Sorry. Uh, no, because that's just pastiche. That's just yeah. that's just silliness. Mm. Uh, and but you can't. The thing about Bond is is that. Um, the problem they have with Bond is that they, they tried to bring it back and be serious about it. It worked quite well in Casino Royale as a film, yeah. that worked. But, uh, but then, yeah, it just went horrible. There you go. Sorry, it all went, I'm used to just ranting. I'm yeah. always, I, do, I, I do this on stage and I just rant and then people just hopefully laugh or just go, oh, Christ, he's got issues. Yeah. But um, I, I don't usually have conversations with her afterwards. It's kind of throwing me off. Oh, yeah. uh, but, um, yeah. um, 
Yeah, not yet. This is a question I wanted to ask. Uh, I knew that we were going to be speaking a little bit about film, um, but I'll throw it over to you first, Paul. Um, which is quite a, a difficult question to sort of throw in you unprepared. Okay. Is there a film that you've watched, not necessarily a favourite film or the first film that you've watched, but a film that you, regard, you would regard as to you important? Maybe it's influenced you in some way or it really switched you, uh, light on for you in the way the way the stories were told? Mm. I find them really difficult. It changes a lot. Yeah. Um, a really important film. Huh. Well, it could be Home Alone too. It could be Lost Home in New York. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Think. Down Actually, and to the left. Not not the best Home Alone. I don't no. think that, the first one. I know. I I, I was having a conversation actually recently with someone, but um, I love. I mean, I, I I kind of grew up in the eighties, so I loved a lot of those kind of classic touchstone, you know, kind of family films yeah. like Ghostbusters and yeah. Back to the Future and and stuff like that. So, Short Circuit. Short, Short circuit. circuit. Yes. Cocoon. Amazing. Cocoon. Slight. High Spirits. Steve Gutenberg, anything? I tell you what, I've got. A, a, I have got a thing for eighties Tom Hanks films. Yeah, you know, yes. big. Uh, I like the Burbs. You know, mm. classic B movie. Joe versus the volcano. Uh, see, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. Yeah, I miss that one. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, important films. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Trixie. Do you know, I really like the Prestige. Oh yes. Not a lot yeah. of love for the Prestige. Yeah. I was, I was heartened to see a, a top ten rundown of Chris Nolan. Christopher Nolan's films, and uh, I think that was at the, at the top. I think yeah. it's massively um, underrated. Really? Yeah, you've got a thing about that, haven't you, Aiden? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hate it. I just the thing is, is that I just saw the twist coming a mile away, and I didn't think it was much of a twist. Um, oh. I just got a bit bored. To be honest with you. you, I find Chris Nolan's films incredibly cold emotionally. I absolutely I just, agree. Yeah, I, just, I just find I just find there's there's no soul there. Mm. It just doesn't. I mean, I like Inception. I thought that was a good film. But again, there's just parts of it that you just... The way that it's shot, I don't know what it is, you just feel, it just feels emotionally cold to me. Yeah, and, and I think it gets just, colder as well. You yeah, know, I haven't seen Dunkirk. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not... Yeah, I would imagine that's, that's like a, a family love fest. Not um, really. No. Yeah. It's not a Boxing Day type movie, no. 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 Although it's doing some interesting things with time, which take you a while to catch up on what's happening right. in that one of them is a week long, one of them is a day long, one of them is an hour long. Yeah. And you begin, it takes you a while to work out that's actually what's going on because right. it would jump, because obviously, as you're watching a film, they, they're experiencing time at the, at the right level. Does it have Tom Hardy with part of his face obscured? Yes. Yeah, it's a Chris Nolan film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, yeah, but every, nearly every, I mean, say that, Andrew, but then... Nearly every Chris Nolan film have a, like some kind of uh, timeline. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and actually, I think Dunkirk is probably a distillation of his yeah. most uh, identifiable kind of characteristics. Like, you know? like a, now, that's what I call Chris Nolan. Basically, 99. yeah, is the now album yeah. of Chris Nolan <laughs> filmmaking. Uh, Aiden, is there yeah. a film that you regard as important? Uh, well, for, I, you? for me, well, there's lots of fair. I mean, I couldn't really. When everyone asks you what your favourite film is, I always find it incredibly difficult. But, yeah. um, I, I have a favourite film per genre, but we haven't got time to go through all of them. Because, uh, well, we could, but then yeah. it would be really boring for everyone else. Um, there's a couple of films that really stick out for me. One, when I was at school, uh, I did film studies. And um, one of the, the ones that I got to see there was Farewell, My Lovely. Oh, yes. Um, with... Um, Mitchell? Oh, 
no, not Mitchum. No, no, the no, no, God, no, uh, no, the the black and white original version. Yeah. With um, God, I can't remember his name. Oh my God, that's really bad. Um, we'll dub it in later. Okay, thank we you. Won't. Please, uh, just just do it in a really kind of like obscure Russian voice. Okay. Uh, it was more <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, oh god it's going to come to you do you know what's going to happen in the chat in about 10 minutes I'll go yeah. oh, his yeah. name um, <laughs> but it had Salvador Dali did the dream sequence oh yes uh, directed the dream sequence it was fantastic but it's um, really good because it, it's just uh, really great I love LA noir yeah. I love that kind of thing and film noir as well I think it's just fantastic and, and I just oh I just really love it uh, it's one of my real classic quality black and white really good the guys are tough the girls are tough and it's quality film love it yeah and mike mazurki mazurki who who um one of these great character actors plays he's a big guy and he's in it as well the other names will come up to me yeah sure so i'll be fine but yeah farewell my lovely 1943 i think excellent i was gonna um say at the beginning top of the podcast that uh it's quite a busy week here in the duke box uh on wednesday and thursday our friends at pop heart productions are premiering their new work which is shop play it's a new hour uh that they are premiering and uh we at cast iron we've got a an evening of short plays on friday and saturday uh called Cast Iron 10. Obviously, if you're listening to the download of this, um, they went very well, thank you. Um, but uh, I should uh, point out that on the Friday and Saturday, uh, if you're you know if you're here in the audience and you, you ha- can do something about this, uh, we've got a, like a, a dump bin from um, Brighton uh, Food Banks where people will be um, supplying sort of uh, bringing along food donations or you know, packets of food or tins of food or or. Uh, toiletries, etc. And the re- one of the reasons, the major reason why I bring this up is to bring it back to you again, Aidan, because um, oh, yeah, you've got yeah. funny food coming up. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we did one in uh, last year, um, and we're doing it this year. We got uh, basically funny food. The idea is a comedy gig. Uh, it's on December the seventh, and you get entry by basically bringing food. Uh, you bring five pounds plus worth of food or donations for food banks, or it could be uh, female uh, sanitary products or shampoos and stuff, baby products, toys. It's Christmas, um, and we got Joe Wilkinson headlining, uh, and everyone's doing it for nothing. Fantastic. And uh, we're at the Carolina Brunswick, um, which is great. And yeah, so December the seventh, and it's uh, yeah, you bring food, yeah, five pound stuff. worth of food, five pounds plus, whatever you feel yeah. like donating. Yeah, uh, but five pounds ish is good. Yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll we'll have boxes there of stuff to put things in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be really good. A lot of interest. I mean, getting Joe on board has been fantastic because everyone loves Joe Wilkinson. Um, But, you know, despite the massive drug problem. Of course. Uh, Do do we need to... (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. For the benefit of those listening to the downloads, Aidan has mouth the phrase <laughs> he doesn't have a drug problem it's, it's just it's just part of my thing of, of anyone anyone who's really lovely who's more successful than me which is quite a lot of people um, and whenever you talk about them because I, I being a comedian you meet lots of other comedians yeah. and everyone always goes oh have you met this person oh have you met this person and you go yeah yeah oh I bet they're really nice you go they're lovely and then just because you see the I, I just like that little wither in their eyes just as I go massive drug problem <laughs> I, I just uh, it's <laughs> they're doing so well what with yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, what with the issues and that, stuff yeah. but <laughs> there was so much blood um, you know anyway have you yeah. ever had like an email two or three days later going yeah. with the general tone of how did you find out <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to come unstuck at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, well, well, the law know, of averages says you're going to... Someone's got to be yeah. uh, massively on drugs. Yeah. 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 And it's Ramesh Ranganathan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Cast Iron Fit Podcast does not have its own lawyers <laughs> and we don't take a fee for uh, you know, any of our oh he won't be able to see you he's too off his head oh. <laughs> I think you're doing very well managing this <laughs> I don't think I'm doing well at all so this has been uh, in the month of theatre and film and indeed comedy this has been a, a bit of a, a tumultuous month for um, film theatre and comedy in that there's been much more of a, of a light uh, Sean, or you know the, the toxic max- masculinity within uh, those uh, genres. So we thought at Cast Iron we, we'd address that by having a, a host and panel of white men. Um, That's good. Yeah, it reminds me actually. Well, hang oh. on a second. Uh, there's, there's, uh, dude, your wife is okay, just yeah. here. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to. I know, but we, 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 we like uh, uh, this panel. We haven't given her the opportunity to speak that often either. Didn't introduce me either, but no, I thought no. you know what. Wow. It's fine. I'll just lean anyway. in. So basically, <laughs> <laughs> so when did the relationship begin to crumble? Well, <laughs> in front of your very eyes. <laughs> no, so I thought we'd edit it in afterwards. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. On the Ladies spot. and gentlemen, will you please welcome? Sorry, what's your name again? <laughs> Do you know what? Really tricky because when I'm working, Michelle yeah. Donkin. Right. Okay. Yeah. At home, Shell Allen. Yeah. yeah, and from tonight, Michelle Duncan. Michelle Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit easier. No, no, you are I, right. I, I, I tried well, so hard. Hey, wait, however, 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 if we wanted to prove how much men are dicks, I think we've done that. Yeah. yeah. I think we've done quite well. No, and to, and to be fair, I am mostly here because I'm guarding the laptop, yeah. doing the edit, and I like a little bit of the glamour without <laughs> any of the responsibilities, so I quite like just sitting here. That's, kind, that's kind of my understanding. Yeah, and it kind of is what I tell him. Don't talk to me. I'll just sit here and smile and be part of it. I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> this is all getting edited yeah, out. Yeah, this is know. not. Because it probably I'll, isn't. Obviously, I have Frankly, the power of the edit. It's the best bit so far. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, someone was. We're about to. We're about to. We're about to pontificate about how how evil white men are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I can segue now. That's no. it. Um, so, uh, Paul, uh, you, as we mentioned, you uh, were in. Don't, don't put a rifle in your mouth. Um, uh, you were uh, last time we spoke. You were talking off the uh, Brighton Fringe, the uh, Bug Camp. Yeah. Had uh, won an award uh, for your broken silence. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that um, affected you so far? How's that affected me so far? It has. Um, it was. Yeah, it was massively validating. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a sense of real purpose about why I'm on the planet and stuff like that. <laughs> no, uh, it. Well, it was, <laughs> Which I didn't have before. No, it's well. It it, it is. Yeah, it, it was really nice. I think if, if I'm oh, being honest about it, yeah. it's um, it does like it, this is about what's next. It's always about what's next. What's next? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, and and the um feeling of responsibility to capitalize upon an opportunity and that kind of thing, and um, you know, which um you know, made efforts to do and stuff. So there, there is that kind of, some strange sense of pressure, yeah. in fact, actually. Mm. Um, 
as far as that in particular thing goes, I had always the desire to want to do more with it anyway, and I, and I still have that. So hopefully that will happen. Um, and otherwise, uh, I've just not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, yeah, I just did loads of work, kind of burnt out, and now I'm in the um, lying in the ditch phase. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So. Um, which I think I don't know. I'd be interested to, to hear actually from the, from the rest of of, uh, of the group if um, yeah that's a worthwhile conversation because I, I I notice in myself there is a cycle you know that happens in terms of producing new work and being creative and stuff like that and and I, I do think you know making work is it's a, it's a process that requires lots of energy you know there, there's those kind of uh, critical moments where you really have to yourself in, into it and then there are moments when you just have nothing left mm-hmm. and um, I'm in that one oh. so um, and, and I noticed that in myself in a sort of uh, you know there's a you know a harvest cycle of that yeah. you know a bit of seed sowing a bit of wonderful springtime things and blooming things and then desolation <laughs> <laughs> nothing can, can you Ragnarok basically <laughs> If Kate Blanchett came to me looking that, like that, that would not be Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and going back to toxic masculinity, yeah. is that, I don't know, is that an example? I don't know. No. Is it? Is it? No. no. That's just sure. the fact that Kate Blanchett is hot. Yeah, that's, that's still legit, right? Uh, yeah, totally. I, don't, I, don't, I think you're quite okay to say that. It's absolutely fine. She's but, that, a very that, that, but, you're, but you're saying that, and we're all complicit in, a, in the patriarchal oh. system. So, oh, you know, God. It'll be yeah, the Matrix right now. What's going on? Sorry? Chris Hemsworth is hot too. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. And, and yeah, that's fine. It's but, okay. You, are but hang on, you might be complicit in a system which, <laughs> <laughs> which values um, objectification <laughs> and beautification of, of people, regardless of whether they're male or female. Of of yeah. yeah. Basically, um, God, what was the question? Yeah, so, <laughs> but no, I, I'm interested. Ragnarok. Do, <laughs> Ragnarok. Go see Ragnarok. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. Do well, you find? A, are you able to? If you are going through spells of, you alluded to sort of coming up with loads of ideas and then going through spells of literally not having ideas. Uh, are you able to engineer your way out of that? Can you sort of manufacture an escape route and go, right, I'm going to... Because uh, I sometimes speak to uh, writers who um, say they, they've got writer's block, that they, they've run out of stories, that they don't know what they're going to write. Mm. And I... It's not that I don't have any sympathy for that idea, but I've always believed that you, you can write yourself out of writer's block, mm. that you can sort of, like, write... You know, it would be the same for when you're creating an hour of stand-up, or, uh, you know, not being particularly inspired, but going, right, I'll soon horn this gag into place or I'll write this paragraph down to get through this dreadful piece of writing to get me to the good stuff again. Am I insane? I think there's something to that and I think there's something about the... Uh, the I'm making air quotation marks. Um, craft of, of things wherein yeah. you apply some disciplined effort towards just muscling through it and I think one of the great lessons of learning to be good at something is going I'm going to get on with this and it's going to be really really shit because that's yeah. a necessary step towards it being eventually good I think there's that but also I think I don't know on, 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 on a, yeah maybe a more lofty conceptual level yeah. I kind of think that um, uh, like I say like 
creating something is is um, yeah, it's an activity of bringing something into the world that didn't exist there before, and I think the opposite of that is nothing. So therefore, you have to observe um, and create a space of nothingness in which something can be created. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I, I, I always have to be quite bored before yes. something comes to me, and I have to be kind of... I don't think Andrew and I write in very different ways in that Andrew is always writing and he will write and write and write. He's really, really disciplined. Whereas I will mull an awful lot. And I know I... There's a good... There's definitely something to be said for going, in April next year, I will be putting on an hour. Yeah. That'll happen. (laughs) So it has to happen. But whether that's something of quality, I don't know. And whether that's the next big thing I don't know for me but I think um there is definitely a need to for me a need to just mull stuff over and have it be something that I can't quite get out of my head therefore it's something that I know will interest me long enough to complete it so how long for you then is um the writing of a Say an hour. Uh, in, in that, in that, that context, in a, we're talking about a stage. I type fast, so I can probably do it in a day. So this is what I'm saying. For this conversation, we're talking about like a stage hour of a play. Yeah. And it, in terms of mm. when you are writing an hour, um, indeed, you, you sort of answer the second part of my question, yeah. which is how long does it take you to physically write down the story, which presumably is not including edits and redrafts. Yeah, I'm yeah, guessing. no, that would be weird. Um, yeah. So that's the second part. So how long are you writing for? So... Physically writing, not on, I can't do an hour in a day, that's insane. As I said that, I thought, you're lying! <laughs> but I can, I can do I can do an Nobody hour. Nobody heckled that one, though, yeah. didn't Because <laughs> I'm speaking, you know, yeah. it's rare. Um, <laughs> it's not that rare. It's um, like gold. <laughs> Shh, don't interrupt the woman. <laughs> that was appreciation. <laughs> oh, pedestal! Um, she said on the stage... Um, I can write an hour in probably a week, so therefore I haven't spent a week writing an hour. I've spent three months thinking about the hour and I've got it all down in my head and it plays well in my head. And it's copying it out from my brain. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's... And then I'll see it written down and that's the hour and then I'll play with it for a long time that I hate and then actors come in and... They do their do their acting. <laughs> I have the greatest respect, and then it changes and it doesn't make sense anymore. So I have to take it away. So all of that is a, a long process. But so, so we're still acknowledging that mm. um, the hour that you write down, transcribed from your brain, yeah, um, isn't actually necessarily going to be the finished hour that no. is performed on the stage. Uh, for you, Aidan, when mm. you're uh, producing an hour of stand-up, yeah. you probably know your top gags that are going to go at certain hours. Um, you probably know the through line of the theme that you want to discuss, but how long much has it changed? Well, it, it's kind of weird. I work in... It took me a long time to work out how to do it and how to get the right formula for me. Yeah. And uh, I start off in a weird kind of way. I get the idea for a show, and then uh, what I do is I tweet out about 15 different uh, titles. Yeah. Uh, and and about, about four people will come back and go, no, not that one. And eventually I'll come out with a title that I like. And what, I, what comes first, the gags or the poster? The poster. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Because what I do is that I, I, get, the, I get the title, yeah. then, then I do the poster, 
because when I leave Edinburgh, I like to say I'm going to be doing this show next year. Yes. Uh, just because it gives me the goal of going, that's what I'm doing next year. <laughs> yeah. And also, you, as you well, said it, so you're on yeah, I've got to do it. Yeah, but also, this comes from. An early love of James Bond, doesn't it? it James Bond James will return. Will in. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely yeah. Aidan <laughs> um, yeah. Curtly will return. He will in. be back in yeah. Skyfall. Uh, fuck off. And, um, uh, yeah, and then then I, I sort of go okay, and then I sit down and work out and go oh oh crap, uh, I've got to come up with an hour of stuff, and then I'll get up with the structure, and then I go well, what's the theme? What do I actually want to say? because uh, th- th- there's got to be a theme to an Edinburgh mm. show there's got to be a point to it yeah. uh, it's not just an hour of joke 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 it is uh, and I, I do stories and I, I do stuff about me uh, so I'd love to be able to do like political stuff or stuff that's sort of uh, you know true observation or whatever I, I, I can't work like that I just yeah. do stories that happen to me um, which sort of revolve around this theme that I've come up with yeah. and then I'll try and plot it out so I'm currently coming with a new show. Um, titles change, so I had to make a new poster. Oh, I see. <laughs> and, um, and but what I do then is that once I've worked out roughly what it is, I'll I'll produce I'll, I'll create a soundtrack. Okay. Uh, and I, I create a, a various musics and all sorts of things because obviously I drive a lot going to gig and gig up and down the country and everywhere. So I, I put on my whatever that. That sound, that playlist is. It's the playlist. And then that helps me come up with ideas. Is that the, the, the vibe of the the hour itself, or is it the music you imagine that you'll be playing when the audience come in? And bit leave? of both. Bit yeah. of both. Uh, yeah, there's usually about four entrance music bits yeah. and five exit music bits, and then uh, bits that are sort of thematically possible to get my brain whirring in that yeah, kind of yeah. direction. Um, and then what I will do is I don't actually write it out. Um, I kind of work out the gags and I, I kind of just do keywords because I feel that uh, even though I pretty much say the same thing every every time um, I don't write it down that way because otherwise I feel that it loses it a little bit for me Yeah. so I, I've got like keywords and things and yeah there are key gags that come up and then you go oh that's oh I like that one yeah. that's good and then I'll tell a few people and they'll go oh that's good and you go oh yeah okay uh, you know, like, there's a few people that I tell that if they, they like it, there's one that I, uh, if I may be so bold, uh, one I was really chuffed with. I came up last week. Um, my new show is going to be, it was going to be called Conversations with Someone I Don't Believe in, uh, because my wife is training to become a vicar and I'm an atheist. And um, it's, there's your hook right there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is almost as high a concept as Sharknado. It is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's juicy. Dude, Dude, Sharknado after tonight, there are sharks are going to be in the show. Um, <laughs> but um, but it, the, the problem with that title was is that the way the show has come out uh, so far in, in, in the work in progress I've done, it, it's not necessarily about me versus God, which I think that title kind of implies. Yeah. Um, because it's more because I'm not a full-on Richard Dawkins-style atheist. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's just not me. Yeah. And there are many comedians who've done that stuff and have done it really well. And I can't possibly cope to com- com- uh, compete with that. What I can do though is is talk about my wife's clearly found her path. Yeah. What's my path? So the show is now called The Vicar's Wife, mm. um, which I think is more fitting with with that. But I found out something the other day, and this has just blown me away. Uh, obviously, my wife is, is doing all the vicary type stuff. Yes. And apparently, with communion, you know the wafers they have, the body of Christ. Yes. Right. When that stuff is is blessed and or whatever, right? 
if they have any left over, right, you can't just throw them away, no. right? Because they're the body of Christ, yes, right? right? And all you can do, and my wife was telling me, all you can do is either eat them, burn them, or bury them, right? <laughs> And when she told me that, I said, well, you shouldn't do the last one because they'll come back after three days. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of zombie Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Cheers. Uh, uh, I, I, I get a thumbs up I for the day. I show called Zombie Pringle. <laughs> zombie Pringle. Attack yeah. of the that's Zombie Pringles. Yeah. I should that, that's certainly going to be the... Oh, uh, that's another poster. <laughs> 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 That's certainly going to be the refreshments sold in the bar afterwards, isn't it? Yeah. Some nice pack of uh, 150 grams of zombie Pringles, high in sodium. But do you, yeah. do you, do you... <laughs> <laughs> They're the devil's snack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm vaguely aware, I might be misremembering, but I'm vaguely yeah. aware that in situations, certainly for the Catholic Church or whatever, that um, yeah. sometimes the sacrament of the host isn't available, but something else will be blessed. In, could, uh, Doritos. Could, a, could, a, could a Pringle be blessed? I don't know. I'll have to find out. I think, you know, speaking I, of, I speak watched, as an ex-Catholic, I'm not entirely sure that there's... I yeah, don't know. I'm I a mean, recovering Catholic. Um, I'm not entirely sure there's any reason necessarily why it can't be. I'm thinking now of a YouTube channel called Bless This, in which... A new, <laughs> I'm just saying that if nothing like, can be... You know, what are the implications of blessing any given thing? Like pimp my ride, but yeah, yeah. bless this life. Well, can I put a bless. vote for the first one? Can we do the pork chops of Christ? Uh, oh. Oh. What? <laughs> I like pork chops. Can I just? Um, I, I was in. Uh, you it, <laughs> Sorry, I don't understand why they got the reaction they did. I, 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 I like. I like. I mean, facts. I'm not like the Jewish faith or the Muslims <laughs> or anything like that. It wasn't going to go down that route. Uh, I, I can like... talk about pork and bacon. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, enjoy the fact that the, the burn it, bury it, and um, yeah. Uh, Eat it. Eat it, Eat it, yeah. is you know essentially like the sequels of the Hammer Horror Dracula films. <laughs> the... This is true. Yeah. This is true. I think though that the gag works quite well as it is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's not fuck with it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you were saying <laughs> there were three interesting things. Uh, well, I think three. No, sorry. There were as... three things I was interested yeah. in uh, that came to me there when uh, Aidan was talking. Number and and, and, I, and I think. Of, um, in context of you, you all as writers, number one is um, titles. Mm. Titles first or titles last, that thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, number two was music. You know, what role does mm. music play in your yeah. writing? And number three, like, and, and this is like an unknown thing because I, no, I have no idea about stand-up. I'm really interested in like what... You know, does, when, you, when people write a stand-up hour, yeah. you know... You know what? What's the spectrum of like? Yeah, keywords or like literally, I'll write an essay. And stuff Pe- like that. People do it different ways. Yeah, I've, I've some people like uh, I've seen some people go. How many words should an hour be? Mm. Um, I've seen some people. You know, because on, on, when you start on doing stand up, obviously you, you meet loads of comedians. You all become friends on Facebook, and then everyone asks the questions. You know, oh, and so I've seen some people go. How many? How many words should an hour be? And I think it's it, it's really different for different people. Yeah. Everyone has different styles. Um, a lot of people will literally write it out word for word and, and every little thing, even the commas, even the pauses, even the, uh, you know, all those bits are absolutely just verbatim, yeah. the way that they do that. Um, I'm lazy, so um, I kind of just keep it in my head <laughs> and hope it works. I think it's um, scarier. Um, I think I'd be a, by the book. No, but I've got the keywords. So the keyword, because the thing is, is that... The, I, I basically stand up is a conversation that you're having with people but on your own 
so you kind of want it, it to, for me I want it to feel like a conversation I'm having with people mm-hmm. and so, when you are having this because presumably night after night uh, particularly in Edinburgh where you are uh, there for t- 27 or yeah, so yeah. Um, you'll find certain passages of your hour they will go into the same uh, um, they will, you, you'll find yeah, the, the yeah, body yeah. of the work that will, will benefit you if you do happen to almost stutter at that point whatever yeah, yeah. do you find yourself particularly in the work in progress moments do you find yourself when you're trying stuff out uh, of being taken by surprise that that gag goes in a different way than you expect it yeah, even it can, while you're it, saying it it can happen and sometimes you can make a you can make a mistake yeah. and it gets a really good laugh and then you try and recreate the mistake and sometimes you can yeah mm-hmm. um, there's uh, there's a bit that I did in the 10 film I did this 10 films of my dad's show which I've done for 8 years there's a bit um, that I discovered by basically, uh, there's always a bit where I'd ask the question of people. Does I'm talking about a film called Went the Day Well, yeah, which is a war movie, and uh, there's Germans they're disguised as English troops, and the sentence I always used to ask people was, uh, "Does anyone want to hazard a guess as to how the Germans are rumbled?" Right, and there would invariably be silence. Right, so um, what I thought of it just sort of popped in my head, and I started talking to some of the audience, and I just went up to them and said. Listen, can you do me a favour? Everyone's still thinking about the question. They don't even know we're talking. Um, could you think, I'm going to ask the question again, and when I do, could you say, oh, Aidan, is it their accents? <laughs> oh, you got that? He went, yeah, okay. I said, great, fantastic. I can't even remember who it was, you know, yeah. which one it was. He said, yeah, fantastic. I said, don't improvise. I said, great. Came back on, and I just went, does anyone want to hazard a guess as to how the Germans are rumbled? And the guy, the guy goes, oh, Aidan, was it their accents? No. Because <laughs> um, it's something else, but I can literally do that every time I do the show, yeah. and I just start putting that back in, and now that's part of that thing. I have to do it every time I do it, and it works every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, the, the 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 fluidity of being able to do that is because it's not in for me. It's because it's not entirely written down. I couldn't write mm-hmm. that down. Yeah. Because you couldn't get that across. Um, I had the. A, a German theatre company wanted to license the show, and they they have done. Uh, I just sent them the book um, <laughs> uh, to be able to do it. And I had to write it. They said, "Oh, well, is there no script?" Kind of thing. And I went, <laughs> "I went, look, I'll send you the, the a clip of it, and you can just watch it and just transcribe it because I'm not doing it. You can just do it yourself." Mm. I thought, "Oh, great, fantastic!" Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so because it's it's you you have to have that a bit for me. It, it really depends on different people so you, mm. you could get someone else up here um, and they will literally write down every single word mm. uh, and that works for them it's however it conveys it across but I always find that if I do that when I'm saying it it sounds like I'm reading it um, mm. yeah. so I just like key words so that joke that I said earlier will be just wafers Paul, I've got a question for you that I just asked uh, Aidan about, oh, because obviously writing um, plays, do you write prose at all? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you were. Checking? Yeah. 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 yeah, that was it doing it and then going, like, don't do ask I? me to criticise it. Uh, <laughs> um, and obviously, that process is somewhat different from uh, writing stand up, particularly if you literally don't physically write the stand up down. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself being taken by surprise by what it is that you're writing uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I think so yeah in a particular state of writing um, where you're just kind of um, almost kind of free association yeah. writing just uh, um, going you know kind of daring yourself to kind of yeah um, 
So that cliche of um, characters doing stuff that you didn't intend them to do, for instance. Yeah, and and even in in a less uh, mechanistic kind of way, in a more detailed, you know, just like syllable by word, syllable by syllable, word by word, yeah. kind of like uh, strange juxtapositions, and you know, playing on uh, uh, catchphrase or you know, you know, and. Um, being playful, like within a sentence and stuff like that, you know, that's enjoyable to do, mm. you know. Um, yeah, so I, I think can be, you know, I'm a, I, I make myself laugh. Yeah, you, you, were, you were speaking about uh, <laughs> number one fan. <laughs> You've got more than eight followers on Twitter? Totally. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, is, it, is it titles for you first? Uh, have you ever, ever, because you just asked us, um, yeah, I, I, I'm interested because. The thing I find really hard, and I don't know, I don't know about anyone else here, but is is writing something and just thinking it's a whole thing. Thematically, it's about X. Yeah. It's got this, you know, really now what? What's it called? Yeah. What, yeah, what possibly am I going to put as a cherry on top of this yeah. that will help some potential audience or reader or whatever connect with mm. the essence of what it is? And I find that really, really difficult. On the other, uh, the flip side of that, I've definitely had experiences where I've kind of said thought to myself oh that's a brilliant name for something I will write to that and actually in some ways the challenge of trying to write something that even tangentially relates to that is is some kind of I don't know it's like a a, 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 a flag in, in in the sand a little bit a little bit something to gather around I think that's um, what, yeah yeah I, I, I always think when it comes to cycling I did not uh, very very short um, uh, kind of writing class in, in which we did some poetry writing which I, I don't really do and I fully admire anyone who does because I think it's a, an, a, yeah, an amazing impenetrable art for me but um, I really really appreciated something that the, the tutor said there about um, you know but the poem you know your title you know your poem might only be like 20 words long your title has got to carry the weight it's, it's the frame yeah. by which you will appreciate the the language and and and, and whatever the, the, your poem puts across, so that 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 made me think. Oh yeah, it's really important that that will give someone a way to view this thing. Um, so that just means I agonise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there have been occasions when I've thought the title first, uh, particularly if I'm sort of writing for spec in terms of like a, a short play for the um, Cast Iron Knights. Uh, occasionally especially when you're up in Edinburgh, you see, you become very aware of posters, you become very aware of image on posters, mm. and if there's a beautiful title that is elegant and mysterious, I, I, I don't care. Um, I'm normally got a very low tolerance uh, threshold for spoilers. I, I hate any form of spoilers. I got very nervous when you were talking about the prestige earlier, and we're <laughs> still going to spoil it for me now that I've said Have that. Have you not seen it? No, I haven't. Okay. So, um, I really, I really they died. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> fortunately, somebody kicked a drink over when you said that. <laughs> um, Honestly, so it's I, great. The car chase and the nuclear explosion at the end are amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a very low uh, tolerance threshold for spoilers, except when it comes to Edinburgh. Uh, then I don't need you to be elegant or mysterious about your storyline. I need to know if I... Edinburgh's different because you need to... Because there's thousands of shows. Yeah, exactly. So, so my, my thing with... Um, um, I, I someone said this to me is elevator pitches. Yeah, mm. of that. it's like you've got to be able to say what your thing is in twenty five words, and it's marketing. 
Yeah, mm. that's what it is. It's it's. I don't think it's an art. It's just marketing and yeah, it's just so the art of getting it right. I, I don't know about you guys, but the longer I get into the business, and it's not really a business because I'm definitely not making a living. Um, <laughs> but the business yeah. of making stuff, uh, half the job seems to be making stuff as well as I possibly can make it. Yeah. In a way that lives up to whatever vision might have or whatever um and the other half is actually making it connect with someone yeah. Yeah. in the world and it's the marketing thing it's the yeah. elevator pitch and it's so difficult especially if you spend you know 50 percent of your time as a creative in a room going oh i don't know if it's good enough oh. yeah. oh, and then you have to somehow step outside of that and go actually no it's about two guys who are blah 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 blah, blah yeah. and it's got this poster and blah blah, blah. well this is yeah. the thing the average comedian uh is 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 Go. Do you know what I mean? That everywhere, most the majority of comedians are all, all. I mean, I'm. If we would, we wouldn't be having this conversation yeah. in, in in normal. Life. You know, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, but just it's, it's existence. Yeah. You spend half yeah. of your time totally with yourself, trying to um, articulate something, and then the other half of the time you're supposed to be out there projecting it. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with utter confidence. It's a strange yeah. thing. Why? Why do we do it? Um, <laughs> and, well, basically, I've never known love. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there, there's, there's... Well, there you, go, there you go. I can't actually answer any questions seriously. Uh, That's why you do it. Um, no, yeah, that, and, and, yeah, I don't know why. I uh, just always wanted to do it. So there we go. There is an odd thing, isn't there, in terms... This has been quite newsworthy this week as well about if you are an up-and-coming creative, or even if you've been established for eight or nine years... Um, that fabled um, aunt's grant or whatever, that just ain't happening anymore at all. Um, and but Sorry, cu- sorry aunt, aunt's grant? What? Sorry, it, I'm, I'm a stand-up. I work for... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's th- there is There is no fucking aunt's grant for comedy. Is there no. not? No, 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 of course no. there fucking isn't. Wow. It's just ridiculous. When, um, because people want to first... see comedy. No one wants to see theatre. I should have to fund the... Uh... <laughs> Dude, sorry. you haven't oh. been to some of my shows. Trust me. <laughs> Hey, I'll wait to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shitter than you. Uh, <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> well, let's just compare audience figures. Uh, there's definitely um, something to be said about uh, about um, how stand-up comedy might be regarded in terms of being worthy of a grant as compared to an average theatre show. But even yeah. average theatre shows aren't getting money anymore. Apart from, curiously, research and development. There's a really odd thing going on now that you can get lots of money in research and development, but once you've been proved, you've proved yourself worthy of some money and it's good enough to make it to an actual show, yeah. they won't give you any money. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I perhaps I read the, the same thing as you, but yeah, in terms of like uh, investment in um, uh, development of, of creatives, there is that spike of that, you know, yeah. immer- um, sort of new new writer, identifying new talent, and, and, and also uh, to address imbalances in terms of representation, yeah. and other things like that, to kind of bring those voices into the field. And then at the other end, there's, just, you know, the um, established, yes, we'll back you. But yeah, you're right. That that, that tapers off in that, in that sort of emergent mid level, mid career kind of level, um, kind of creative. Um, and what are you supposed to do then? You just you know supposed to fly by the seat of your own ingenuity to yeah. kind of potentially come up with new ideas that will never actually get developed. Yeah. Mm. Well, they'll get developed. They'll literally get researched and developed. Oh yeah, they will be perfectly developed. Yeah. And they will sit. <laughs> Nobody will ever see them in a vault. <laughs> have you ever had um, a stand-up hour? We were coming to the last uh, yeah. five ten minutes of the show, but okay. I wanted to ask you: um, Have you ever had a like? Because um, you haven't had funding for research and development, yeah. but have you? Uh, 
got quite far on an hour going, oh, this is good, and then going, oh, do you know what? No. And it never no. actually saw, saw the light of day. No. Oh, good. No. So. Uh, <laughs> no, because. Open the question. No, no, because the thing is, is that. Is that, is that um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's how like that's really bastardy, but <laughs> all, okay. all advice is gratefully received. Uh, it's meant to be banter. <laughs> no, because I because of the way I do it is I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I know there there are there are shows that I haven't even started that I wanted to do, yeah. but mm. they just didn't fit in. I had this idea about. Um, I thought I, you know, or other people do it yeah, for you, you know, because someone else, I had this idea about doing a show about wanting, I wanted to be in space. I've always wanted to be an astronaut. So I, I did the show about wanting to be in space. And I had this idea of, of offering everyone to go into space with me. And the thing I was going to do is that I discovered, and this was a few years ago, um, what I was, doing, I was going to get a, a hair from everybody in the, who wanted to be in the audience, yeah. right, okay? And we were going to put it in a little baggie, right? And then what we we're going to do is we we're going to send it into space. Yeah, I think and, I'm going to smoke uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I said baggie. <laughs> and then, like, we'll get it really high. Uh, I think we found out which stand-up has a drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but listen, man, yeah, look, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that just... Yeah, someone's got to sell it to her. Um, <laughs> no, and then I had this idea about wear the balloon, and because yeah. you can send stuff up, but it's been done a load of times since then where you can because you can send a weather balloon yes. up, um, and with a, a camera and there's a unit, and then you have a thing. And the idea was just that I was going to have my poster in space, uh, but with the, the with uh, the little hairs of everyone who was in the you know wanted to donate hair, and we would all go up to space together. And the idea was that on the on the, on the last day of Edinburgh or some point we'd send it up. And the idea is what happens is the weather balloon gets right to the, the stratosphere, right yeah. at the top, and it expands and it explodes. And there's a like a nanosecond where the object that it's carrying is in space. Yeah. And I and then it comes back down and then you can because you use an old iPhone and you can track it and whatever. Yeah. And I had this idea that I thought, well that'll be great. And then just the technical stuff was just oh, no, well, but well as an idea. No, yeah. Fuck you, Sharknado. <laughs> 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 yeah. that's, that's high concept yeah. okay, I'm just going to write that down because yeah. uh, that's, that's the final line of my show yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was an idea but I, I, so you have these ideas and you have the idea for different shows but you just go no that's not going to work or someone's done something like that or you know and then you just go no but then I go no I'll go and do that show Yeah, yeah. you have something of a, of a Edinburgh Tradition, almost tradition, in that you get yourself inks. Um, I have tattoos. I don't get inked. I get tattoos. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying. I was trying for cool. No, 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 no. Just saying tattoos. I hate the this, whole, this, on this whole. This whole kind of. Uh, this this yeah. What's your ring, man? It's, fuck off! It's a tattoo. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's that whole kind of hipstery kind of shoreditchy kind of like. Oh, we've got ink. No, I've got a tattoo. I get tattooed in yes. Edinburgh every year. Every year. Yeah. Uh, how long has that been going on for? Uh, well, I've been going to Edinburgh for six. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, six years now. Six, so you have um, six yeah. set of tattoos? I have more than six tattoos, yeah, more because I get tattooed outside of Edinburgh. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Will there come a point where, we, do you envisage a time where you've done Edinburgh often enough that finding space will be a problem? 
Okay, my, my whole basis of doing Edinburgh is not based on my tattoos. No, uh, I, I, but, I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. It just became a little tradition yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So, can you get the, like, following the logic of getting the poster on, can you get the tattoo done first? Well, and then feel... Oh, that's good. Right. That would, that would be terrifying. Because I did have a, an, a, 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 the, the one show, the, another show idea I thought about doing, but I discovered uh, the idea I was doing a show about my tattoos um, and which one each, what they all mean. I, I, not that they mean great, meaningful things. But you know, some people go. So, what, what's the meaning behind the tattoos? You know, that's the mm-hmm. another thing I hate when people I hate say. I it when those um, Etonians come up to you. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe it. They're fucking everywhere. Um, <laughs> but they are curious. Mainly in yeah. Eastern. Mainly, mainly in Hove. Curious Etonians. <laughs> and um, but yeah, people go. So, what, what's the meaning behind that tattoo? I changed the voice for that one. And, um, they go. Well, what's the meaning behind your tattoos? And um, <laughs> I, I, I just sort of I go. They're just cool. Uh, do you know what I mean? I just don't think. So I had this idea about doing a show and I was going to call it No Regerts, uh, <laughs> which I, I thought was kind of cool. And then it, that kind of developed, and that might come back, but there's another comedian called Jim Smallman who has hundreds of tattoos, and he did a show called Tattooligan, uh, which was about um, people's attitude towards him having tattoos. So my show wasn't that, yeah. but it was kind of felt that it was close enough to do the thing, and I thought, hmm, and then... Also, as well, then I think about the marketing and about the stuff, and I ended up doing a show called The Joys of Retail, which sold itself because yeah. everyone's done retail. Mm. You know, that's kind of, oh, we know what that's going to be about, yeah. kind of thing. So, um, one day, No Regrets may come back yeah. with a different title, but who knows? Um, uh, what I want to do is end the hour by asking the questions that we often ask um, our guests on the podcast, uh, which is uh, when you are not busy writing or, or current the next new thing, you might be uh, listening to an album or have recently watched a film. I know what film you've seen recently. Um, um, uh, or been mainlining some sort of uh, Netflix series or listening listen to another podcast. We've spoken about your podcast mm. as well. Uh, is there anything that you'd want to give a shout out to that you're sort of really enjoying at the moment? Um, well, I, I did a ship gig recently and it was yeah thank you it was awful <laughs> it was without doubt the worst thing I've ever done in my life uh, however the last 10 minutes of my new show is about the cruise ship so you know there is benefits Everything. yeah um, but the only thing that I had uh, to hand that thank god that pretty much saved me because being trapped on a cruise ship with 2,000 Brexit voters all complaining about the exchange rate being shit because of them um, <laughs> was, was just awful. And I could only hide in my cabin so much and the only thing you had on there was CNN. And there's nothing like sitting there thinking, oh my God, the apocalypse is coming and I'm going to be trapped on this boat with these people. <laughs> um, but I had, the, I had a Foo Fighters album, uh, Best of Foo Fighters, and bloody hell that annoys people when you play it really loud <laughs> and, uh, and I bloody love the foos uh, so uh, in my car the, 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 the new show has the new show soundtrack has a lot of Foo Fighters on it yeah okay. so there we go and yourself? Oh. Uh, is it like one thing? Or no, no, any, we, we, any of those things yeah uh, um, love uh, what's it called? Mindhunter Oh, yes. Um, on Netflix. Like the early days yeah. of the FBI, yeah? Yes, yeah. cataloguing um, uh, uh, serial killers and their Something. pathologies. And yeah, that's fast. Uh, that's yeah. brilliant. Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Yeah. Utterly depressing. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> i to bring it up. Uh, I'm just going to give a shout out. Yeah, saw Metallica last month. Yeah. They're, they're still amazing, even awesome. though they're like totally middle aged, but they're still kicking it. And, yeah. uh, Have you seen some, yeah. some, some kind of monster? Is on Netflix now. Yeah, well, my my brother's here actually, oh. and we watched some kind of monster. Actually, it's it's 
I, we've had an inkling of an idea because we watch it so often that we think we could actually stage a theatrical <laughs> reenactment of it in which we play all the roles. <laughs> and actually, I think it's Sharknado or Zombie Pringle enough to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd watch it. I'm I'd really looking it. forward to it. Yeah, honest. we're going to do it. <laughs> Uh, so we do that. Oh, and also um, uh, Beck's new album, Colours, which yeah. um, uh, on off off again, fan Beck, but it's just so joyful, actually, and it's just so upbeat. And actually, yeah, comp- when you're watching Mindhunter and Handmaid's Tale, you need something else, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> when you were speaking about uh, Mindhunter, uh, that seemed to click something for you, Aidan. Yeah, I remember the name of the actor from, oh. from The Farewell, my lovely, Dick Powell. Oh. And that's the good thing, because Dick Powell up to that point uh, was very much a showman, and he was very much in musicals and that kind of thing, but he played Philip Marlowe in Farewell, My Lovely. And it's the classic version of it. It is, I recommend everybody go and see it. Find out wherever it is. Brilliant. Uh, Michelle, is there any sort of a podcast or film or uh, series that you're into at the moment? I, uh, quite a few. I like The Good Place. A lot of Netflix at the moment. Yeah. I have recently discovered possibly the most candy floss tv show on netflix which is called zumo's just desserts and it's like the bake-off on acid and it's australian (laughs) it's got rachel koo which is amazing and uh, chefs and uh, yeah it's baking it's baking (laughs) it's all happy stuff it's fabulous and it's it's done on the most colorful set in the world and they just bake desserts in competition. Yeah. And um, also, what, what we tend to ask is uh, when you are being quick, when you come up with new ideas and stuff, when you are writing or not literally writing at all, yeah. uh, is there somewhere in Brighton Hove that you sort of like to hang out to a coffee shop or whatever, a bar that you sort of, or a restaurant that you sort of go, that, that's where I, I will be doing my, my thinking? Um, <laughs> uh, Paul, we've asked you this question before, but it may have changed uh, in the intervening months. I don't know. I do, yeah, I'm kind of just in supporting. Good independent local coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's probably still a small batch. Yeah. We've discovered batch. recently that there is actually a local uh, coffee manufacturer that shares our name. There is yeah. a cast iron coffee out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Are you in conversation? Oh, yeah. Were we in some legal? There's probably some kind of music. Well, we, 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 we really do different things. They produce a product that you know makes people you know alert and awake. Yeah. We. <laughs> 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 That's. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Aiden, is there a place that you hang out at all? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, so obviously, apart from sweet venues, whenever yeah. possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, because I I do all my thinking in the car. Yeah. Uh, because I'm you're I'm, gigging so often. Yeah, 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 I'm just gigging all the time. But uh, the rest of the time, I'm at home with my dogs yeah. and uh, and the wife and child. You know, I'm quite sort of busy dealing with that. Indeed. I'm doing some really intensive research by sitting on the sofa doing fuck all. Yeah. Uh, which I do really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then no, but most of the time is when I'm in driving. So yeah. it's when I'm in my car. Sure. Okay. In motion, in transit. I think that's I think that's quite typical actually. Yeah. You know, walking. Yeah, just your mind, you know, a nice long drive, your mind sort of wanders off. It's it's interesting, like, just creatively, you're not, you're not in a place, you know, you don't have to fulfil a certain role, you're just kind of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't sit down and Mm. write something. I'm going to be productive now. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I just can't do that. It's not a thing, you go, right! I'm in. So you you, Um, you go for for a drive and then you come back home... 
get out your notepad feverishly full of excitement and you yeah. write down wafer yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's working so far I know. And, then, and then I make a poster about it and then I tweet several friends the joke <laughs> and then find some shit on Netflix <laughs> dude you've been doing it wrong with all this theatre crap I come know. to the comedy I side it'll be fine tough and <laughs> It's like a Damascian moment. Isn't it? <laughs> and, and the last question uh, I have to ask is, again, the question we often ask our guests, yeah. which is, um, when you were younger, did you have like an idea for an invention uh, that, you know, you were talking about the shows, that sometimes you've got, like, a, somebody will get to that before you. Yeah. And maybe there's a, a, a large-scale version that I really... Uh, famous show that somebody got to you, or was it yeah. an invention? I did. I I I, I wrote a book, um, which was awful. But um, the plot I thought was pretty bloody good. Um, the plot was uh, a guy wakes up in a prison, and uh, there's just there's no memory of how he got there, um, and basically it, it you know it, it turned out to be a Michael Bay film <laughs> uh, called The Island. Uh, which is all about people being produced for their body parts. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know that apparently it was a film made in 1976, uh, a French film that had that plot. Yes. Uh, but obviously I hadn't seen that. Um, but yeah, I'd pretty much written three quarters of this book and it turned out that the the, 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 the hero of the book, uh, his body part, basically he was a clone of the president. Ah. And the president, they needed it and he, he escaped from the prison and was being chased and all this kind of thing. And I thought it was bloody awesome. And I was okay. really happy with it. And then fucking Michael Bay made a film with Ewan McGregor in it. <laughs> and, and to be fair to you, the central hook of needing him for body part for the president is a better central hook yeah. than that of the island. I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> I'm still angry. Uh, yeah. I, I think with a certain, I think because I've often had sort of ideas that um, have people who are more productive writers than I am have got to me first. I think you're allowed like a, a 10, 15 year sort of um, gap of going, right, now it's time for my version of that same idea, as long as you're going to it in a very different way. Well, you can't be bothered, can you? Um, <laughs> no, because it's been done twice. Yeah. But there's, a, there's that the theory of, you know, that there are only been X, what, seven stories or whatever they say, and there's only... But yeah. whatever you bring to it, this is what they told me at film school, I right. don't know, they probably just wanted me to get the yeah. thing written. As I mulled everyone, I can't, I can't, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, whatever you bring to it is your unique voice. That sounds but like they were. See, now I don't think write, I could actually. write that now anyway because my writing. Well, I said Certainly not why in the car. But the thing is, no, it, it's the plots that I couldn't write long form now because mm. it's just everything is just. I've got to be as quick and concise as possible. That's the question so I want to ask you. Usually, mm. yeah. prose I find I'd love to write, but I've got these great story ideas, but I just couldn't write. I'd find it so difficult to write. Well, that's the question I wanted to ask you that question earlier, and I think I'll uh, throw it to Paul as well. Are there ideas that you have that you go, oh, that's not a stand-up, that's a yeah. column, or whatever? No, I, I, I tend not to think in columns, but I, I have actual full-blown story ideas. Yeah. Um, like novels and ideas, and I think, oh, this will be great. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it's just the fact that 
I just don't have the time yeah. to be able to sit down and 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 those you have to sit down and write. Course, you yeah. can't just write wafers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nuclear explosion. You know what I mean? You, you can't imagine this book. You've got this great big airport book, and each bit just has one word on it. It just it says, it says car chase. Uh, <laughs> I've got it. It's a, it's a three-part film trilogy. Oh, yeah. no, it's a tweet. Yeah. yeah. And when all the time. Yeah. And then bloody Michael Bay. Yeah. yeah. When Transformers Sharknado mashup happens, yeah. that will be the script. No. Paul, okay. um, you, you work in various mediums in sort of stage and, and prose. Do you find yourself working for an idea again? Oh, no, that's I'm writing it for the wrong medium. Uh, well... Yeah, in um, in the uh, oh God, I don't want to bring it back down to this, but in 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 the context of being um, you know completely unpaid, <laughs> <laughs> technically anything is possible. In yeah. which case, any media is open to me. Yeah. Um, not really. I, I don't know. I I, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of things would work in lots of different mediums, and I think there's a an enjoyable creative challenge in making things translate for whatever thing. I've never really confronted the idea that the need to kind of make something work in one medium when it was intended for another or something. And actually, my instinct is to try and make something work in a medium that I have some kind of control over sure. its production. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is basically it. I mean, you know, it's probably why. I'm interested, for example, in... It'd be great to write a TV series. I wouldn't know where to begin. And I, and I wonder how much of that is uh, informed by the... Uh, idea that actually you are at the mercy of some commissioner somewhere mm. and there's no way that's mm. going to happen as a TV series unless someone does that. I mean, even like low-budget filmmaking, you find a way to make that work for yeah. yourself and stuff. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, not so much. I'm kind of not really banned by that. It's kind of what, what it's informed by whatever I think I can make happen. Sure, I think. yeah. Excellent. So, um... Um, did we ask Paul his invention question? Oh, yeah, we didn't. No, thank you. Invention question. Do you know, I, uh, the last time we spoke, I think I, I talked about having him come up with the idea for The Matrix. Um, That's right. Before the Wachowskis. So, um, but there was another one, <laughs> another one as well. Um, yeah, um, I, yeah I, I, with my friend, we made, uh, we made a Lego film. Um, way before the Lego movie. Like 15 years before the Lego movie. And then... My dad sent me some article about Steven Spielberg making some Lego thing or whatever. But anyway, yeah, so we, we made a film. like, And it was, funnily enough, tangentially, um, uh, related to, to Jaws, Aiden, in, in that it, was, it ended up being a piss take of a Michael... If Michael Bay made yeah. a film with Lego, basically. So it was a world-ending kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people pulling together um, to, to save the world, loads of people in the control room, willing people... To kind of pull it together and whatever, yeah, yeah, it's all of that. But the 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 the, the, the tickling conceit of it all was supposed to be an action film in which none. It wasn't animated Lego. They were all still. <laughs> that, that was it. That was the gap. They were all like Brilliant. completely static all the time yeah. doing Michael Bay. Um, so that was my thing. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> spent months on that. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> It made you the writer you are today. Yeah. It made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> Which is the most important thing. Uh, I've left home yet. Oh, right, Mum. So, uh, not at this point we ask, uh, what have you got coming up? Uh, your calendar, in terms of productions, are you not necessarily sure what's coming up? Well, 
um, at the moment, like I say, I'm in the the, the desolate uh, kind of <laughs> fallow period, waiting to sow some seeds uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so New Year's probably looking a bit busier. Yeah. Um, but then in saying that, you know, um, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a short film which I made, which I'm going to somehow share with out there or whatever and that's yeah. doing a few festivals and stuff at the moment and um, what's the name of the film uh, it's called Fleur de Lis yeah um, uh, it's a little 10 minute short about uh, um, a, a goth who works in a florist who um, has to overcome some uh, thing um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember quite now but anyway yeah so that's, that's showing a few festivals yeah. and stuff um, and then um, I'm uh, I'm working with someone I've written a, a a small book, a um, it's a little illustrated book that I'm working with someone who's an artist. Um, yeah. So we're looking to self-publish that and do a crowdfunder to self-publish that at the beginning of next year. So um, yes, yeah, so that'll be kind of launching. So that's that that stuff, and, and there's some theatrical things as well, including some other future life or some shows I've done before as well but that's sort of soon to be worked out but cool. yeah good and yeah. Aidan uh, what's your what are uh, we next going to see well I'm doing a I'm doing a world tour of living rooms yes um, I, I'm doing a living room work in progress tour uh, basically instead of spending a lot of money uh, hiring venues and and no one turning up um, I, I basically just put a, a, a tweet out uh, along with a poster. Everyone gets a poster, yeah. um, and and saying, "Look, I'll I'll come to your living room, and I'll do I'll do my my show in your living room." Yeah. And um, yeah, I've got about twelve dates booked. Great, yeah. and, uh, and, and I'm probably going to make more money from that than I am from anything else, which is great. Yeah. Uh, have you done Have you done uh, living room gigs before? No, no, no. Have, I mean, you, have you had um, uh, encouraging stories but, or but horror I've, stories? I've had encouraging stories, and anyone who's done an Edinburgh show will know that four people is an audience. Yes, so that's great. You know what I mean, and all I've said is to people is that can you get eight people in, um, and that's going to be lovely. Yeah. Do you get and to like request a rider and stuff like that? Um, yeah. 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 I, have, I have made outrageous demands. Uh, <laughs> usually, usually if there's like someone who's like really far away and they're really lovely, I'll go, well, I must have this. I must have puppies. Yeah. Uh, I have no, I haven't. I've been, I'm, 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 unfortunately, I don't have that in me. I'm just incredibly polite and lovely that anybody wants to see me. Uh, so I'm very, I'm like, oh God, that's lovely. And they're like, well, do you want some money? You go, well, maybe some, some petrol if that's okay. Uh, yeah. I'm always to put you to any burden. And, um, and, and I'll take the puppy. Yes, there's puppies, yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so we can still um, we can still book you on a living room yeah, gig. Yeah, you can yep. book me for a living room gig. Um, I've I've uh, got uh, I've got one date left. Yeah. Um, because I, I set aside some dates that I, I I basically wasn't booked for. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, what I could do is I could either get on the phone and, and go to a venue that and venues you know depending on that apart from sweet venues obviously which is great um, <laughs> but uh, you know you, you could go somewhere and, and you know I'm, no one knows who the hell I am yeah. so no one you know that marketing side of things is quite tricky um, so yeah I just thought well the speak you know Twitter followers and stuff yes. and, and yeah so I've got like 12 dates it's great beautiful fantastic yeah. well looking forward to it uh, good luck I will be doing the wafer joke we will be doing the way. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, 
I'm about to say my goodbyes to Aiden and Paul, but I should uh, give a shout out to the fact that we're back here at Sweet Duke Box uh, in Brighton uh, for the next uh, monthly podcast on the 5th of December, where our guests that month will be Jenny Rowe from the May Days and Paul Stapleton, uh, who is uh, probably better known to you as the creator of the board game BN1, or latterly uh, Zombie N1, uh, the board <laughs> game uh, games based in Brighton uh, that you will be aware of. And those, so those are our guests on the 5th of December, Jenny Rowe and Paul Stapleton. But it leaves for me to say, for me and Michelle, I guess, Hello. Uh, For me and Michelle uh, to say (laughs) goodbye to um, Aidan Guiltley and Paul McCauley. Thank you very much. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore Iron Axe. On Facebook, Ironclad Cast Iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.